Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Achtung Rural. Broadcasting from the beautiful South Birmingham. Accept no substitute. Well, hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Achtung Mewal Weekly. This week, again, with Michael Avery, Lunchtime Lizard. How are you, Michael? How are you doing, mate? I'm very well, mate. The fixtures are out. The sun is shining. Life can't get any better, really, can it? No, it's one of the landmarks of the season, the fixture announcement. And I don't know. Am I getting old? Maybe listeners can tell us, Michael, if I'm getting old. But I, I find my mojo's gone on it. It's not a very exciting list of fixtures somehow, is it? It doesn't... It doesn't inspire you. There's no big games this season. There's nothing to get your get your juices flowing. No, no, you're right. I um, I mean, I saw it when it came out, and obviously, you always your eye naturally always goes to the first game of the season, the last yeah. game of the season. And for me personally, um, I always look at a Boxing Day fixture to see if I can sort of get out of eating cold turkey for a couple <laughs> of hours. Um, but it, it's 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 just very it's just very as you say unappealing, isn't it? I mean. Last game of the season, Coventry away. You know, as, as someone who watches the rugby, I've been to the Rico a few times there as well. And are they back at the really Rico? Or are they still at St Andrews this season? Oh no, no, you're right, you're right. Yeah, sorry, there's they're, they're still at St Andrews. So uh, they were talking about um, developing the old Coventry Speedway Greyhound Stadium, but that won't happen next season, of course. But I think no. they're still playing at St Andrews, aren't they? In Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're right, and it's just. Uh, I, I, I don't know about you, but one, one of the things as well with, with a Millwall uh, head-on and being a Millwall fan, especially when we're in the Championship, Nick, and some of the listeners, as as you know, we've got a phone number and an email address, so do do comment um, mm. if you agree or disagree with me on this one. But there's always uh, there's always a time, I know last season done well, but when you're in the Championship, you think, oh, what's going to be a tricky month? Or what's going to be, a, oh, those games don't look good, or we'll be lucky to get a point or two out of here. I genuinely will be honest, I can't see any real game this season where I'd be looking at and thinking we can't get at least something from. No, no. I mean, it's, it's bold talk. I, I, I admire the boldness of your, of your, of your, of your stance there, Michael. Um, but I think you're probably right. I mean, it's a very, I've written a bland looking season. In, in, bland in the sense that there are no big games, there are no leads, there are no um, local derbies worth the mention. I know we've got uh, QPR but, and Brentford, but that's not really... Um, they're not, you know, they don't feature in in, in the mill rate on the mill radar. Um, so there's no major fixtures in the traditional sense. I suppose you'd probably pick up Forest and uh, possibly, possibly the likes of Cardiff or someone like that, maybe as a standout fixture. But we're scraping the barrel a little bit on that front. But I mean, you look at those opening, what five five fixtures? Stoke at home on the 12th of September. These are all behind closed doors, of course. 
Yes, maybe that's detracting from the excitement factor, Michael. I don't know. But Stoke, Rotherham away, Brentford at home, Swansea away, and Wickham. You know, it's not exactly um, the first home game we might get into would be Luton Town at home on a Tuesday night. It's it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, it, I think motivation is going to be a major problem for fans this season. The team seemed to be gearing up to make a, a fast start of it from what I picked up on watching the uh, you know the club videos. But it's going to be very hard to get your mojo going for this season, I think. No, no, exactly. And 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 you're right. Look, looking at it, it's there's there's not really a lot from a marketing point of view that you can really sell as a big no. game, is there? Um, I I mean, I said it to a couple of my friends when the fixture list came out. Uh, they they pointed towards at the end of April with Swansea, Brentford, Bournemouth, from Watford. But as as I said to them, you know, and as I've said on previous shows with teams who get relegated from the Prem, there's normally one or two. Um, I'm thinking back to when Newcastle got relegated a few years back, when uh, when West Ham have been relegated in the past. You always think there's one or two Premier League teams that you just go to the away day for the experience. You're not going to get anything there at all. But I don't, from, from what I saw on the pitch with Bournemouth, I, I don't fear anything now. Uh, same with Watford. Norwich, I know Aaron's very much kind of, they wanted to do it their way and they wanted to do it a sort of sustainable way, which is respectful. But again, they they were doomed in the Premier League. What five six games in? They never yeah yeah no, they, were, they were adrift for a long while, weren't they? Yeah, and and the teams who have gone up, as I, as I've said in previous previous shows, I think the only real big name who's come up there is Coventry. And as we just said, they they don't even know what ground they're going to be playing at next season. So no, they, they've done they've done well to get promoted playing at another club's ground. So they've done very well. They obviously have got the endless saga of the Rico Stadium, which was built to house a. Coventry in the Premier League and they're now stands idle. So, and they're even, as I said, talking about redeveloping the old Greyhound Banger Racing Speedway Stadium at uh, uh, Coventry. So, who knows where they'll finish up? But it's as bland as that league looks, Michael. It's a massive, massive opportunity for Mill Football Club, isn't it? When you look down that list, there's you're right. There's nothing. There's nobody in that um, division that's going to frighten us. I think. No, no, and. And we said it on the last show of the season um, episode a while back. This for teams like Forest, if they don't win this league by 10, 12 points, there's something wrong, or at least get the automatics. If teams like Millwall, who with some of the signings we've been getting, don't at least push for that top six again, or arguably you could even be pushing for those automatic spots, then there's then this is as you say a very very wasted opportunity. One thing that that did sort of draw my eye to it a little bit, was if you think with the championship sides and with Millwall, they tend to do well in cups, more, more the FA Cup than the League Cup. But, and I know we've got to get a lot of games in because... We do, as the condensed programme, I was just going to yeah, say that. that. That looks a very, very busy February, doesn't it? I mean, I'm not sure if it's normally that busy and I've not paid attention before, but it, my, I was drawn to that, how, how busy the February is. February is normally goes, yeah, it normally passes quite quickly. You've got FA Cup games to stick in there as well, potentially, and January. Um, but it is, I mean, someone, uh, I think online, I can't remember who it was, that pointed out a very, very hectic looking December. You know, it's about eight or nine games in December, um, plus obviously Christmas, and then we're into uh, another hectic period after in the new year. So I, I, mean, I think that's a problem with the late start. No one can really do much about that. The the virus will continue to, to send its effects rippling across all sports, Millwall included. Um, and it just produced, you know, you've got 46 games plus the cup tournaments, um, to cram into, a, we'd normally be, um, you know, up and at it by now, wouldn't we? August twenty twenty first today, we'd normally be a, a week or two into the season, or possibly even two or three weeks into the season. So that's that's just reduced the time scale available. It means a very very packed packed pack calendar, I must say. 
No, indeed. We're normally knocked out the Capital Cup by now, aren't we? <laughs> well, we drew. That was the first bit of news that we've had, really. I suppose was the the, the away draw in the Caribou Cup away at Crawley, which um, will be behind closed doors. So, you know, don't even get excited about a big away day in Crawley. Um, I mean, I I think is it arrogant to say this, Michael? I think we could do without the Caribou Cup at Millwall Football Club for one season. I think, you know. Um, I know Gary Rowett said on, on one of the videos I watched uh, before, before doing the show today that we, we approach every game to win it, and that's right and proper. But, you know, if we went out at, at Crawley to a, you know, a, a penalty shootout on 90 minutes, I probably wouldn't be too heartbroken, would you? No, no, not at all. And um, ironically, uh, you, <laughs> with, with you saying that, I, rem- I remember a couple of seasons ago um, when it was the... Uh, it was that wonderful time when we were graced with goalkeepers like Ben Amos and Jordan Archer. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember um, Amos was in goal for the Carabao Cup games and I believe it was either Plymouth or Gillen and one of the two went to penalties and he saved a couple in the shootout. And then when he saved the second one uh, to pretty much either win the game or sort of put us in a good position, he sort of done the little run out of goal that goalkeepers do when they are heroes in penalty shootouts. And like, it was just, groans around the stadium because <laughs> thanks Amos you've kept us in this competition longer but um, but the, Car- the Carabao Cup I mean it's John Barnes normally doing the draw in um, in shopping centres in a shop, yeah with, somewhere in, in, in Milton Keynes um, Little or somewhere like that they yeah do, so they? that was it last season that, that, that just shows sort of to a degree what a fast that competition's become it sounds, um, I mean, I'm, I'm aware I'm sounding a bit Premier League-ish in my, my outlook there, Michael, because it's like dismissing a competition that, you know, I'm sure if we got into the latter stages of it, we wouldn't be complaining. I think I'm just really conscious, and I'd ask the listeners to consider the sheer volume of football that we've now got crammed into, a, you know, a, a month less, basically, to play with. It's still finishing in early May, isn't it, the season? Last game, I think, is um, May, the, May the, the 8th, so normal kind of finish time. But we've condensed it by you know by a month, so it's going to be pretty stretching on the squad's resources. So, as arrogant as it sounds, I think we could do without a Caribou Cup involvement. Um, maybe the listeners can tell us what they think on that front. I'm aware it sounds a bit um, a little bit Premier Leagueish, which I'm wary of. But um, we've just got a lot of football to get through this season, haven't we? Yeah, and and another thing is to take into consideration, and we've not really had this uh, problem before the last couple of years. But not only is the season condensed, not only are you trying to get sort of cup games around the the football league system, uh, structure and system, you, th- you think there might be postponed games um, over the Christmas period. I'm, I'm, I remember you and Ryan saying that, you know, some sometimes we could have the den underwater. I know that's not till 2030, but strange, <laughs> as, as this year has proven, stranger things have happened. But also as well, Nick, um, game, games are normally postponed, as we say, because you have a good run in the FA Cup. But let's not forget as well, I believe, unless I'm, I've mis, I've not read it somewhere, there's still going to be international friendlies. Um, yeah. So the yeah. likes of Troy Parrott, everyone's shouting and screaming about him at the moment. But he, he could go away with the Republic. Um, and if he's a player who's played, what, 30-odd games by the time he goes away in the second half of the season, he'll, he could come back burnt out. Um, Shane Ferguson's always... Don't uh, say that. I've only just been watching the video. I'm like a little teenage girl watching the My, my Heart Throb Singer on the videos, you know, watching him banging, banging chances from five yards out. We can't have him burned out yet, Michael. Come on. Well, to be fair, the way he was putting them in, I'd be burned out after that <laughs> training session. But, um, but that is, <laughs> it, 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 it's one of those, Nick, but we've just... 
unfortunately, just got to wait and see how, how we go six weeks into the season and how how this sort of COVID world has affected. Well, you're things. right. I mean, I was just going to say. I mean, obviously, the, there's a huge amount of football to get through, plus the the Caribou, plus the uh, the FA Cup when that comes along. Um, and normally it's the weather that causes delays and, and, and postponements and all the rest of it, which, you know, you, you get in the normal course of events. But you've also now got the, the possibility or some might say the probability of certainly localised lockdowns potentially causing issues with um, games. Certainly, you know, as, as September goes into October, this, this thing won't have gone away. So you don't really know how packed and condensed this season will get at the, in the latter stages of it. So, um We've got to consider our squad. We've got to consider our priorities. Um, and as much as I hate this kind of attitude, and I'm chastising myself, listeners, for even saying it, I just think we could do without a bloody Caribou Cup um, involvement, adding to the, the strain and stresses on a an already, you know, it's 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 not going to be one of the biggest squads in the division, is it? At the Millwall side this season. No, no. And what um, one thing I know I sort of said it half tongue in cheek before we before we went on air in our, in our sort of group chat, if you will. But I do, and genuinely am slightly surprised that the fixture list seems as if it's like an ideal world scenario. You know, one week you're going to Birmingham, the next week you're going up north, the next week you've got a home game and this kind of thing. Yeah. You don't know if there's going to be restrict. As you say, there'll be restrictions on travel. I, I, I don't understand if if you're worried about people going up and down the country say for example there is a spike in what what's our first game stoke so say there's a spike in stoke yeah. would you want a london based team going all the way up to stoke potentially bringing it back down to london i would have thought and um, i know i said it half tongue in cheek in an ideal world for us uh, as away fans why not get all the tricky fixtures out of the way if you can travel or sure on the other foot if you can't travel localize the early fixtures mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I don't know what principles drive the fixture list. I mean, historically, it's police issues. You don't want big local derbies at, um, you know, kind of New Year's Day. You don't want massive uh, police resources being devoted to to certain high profile fixtures. Um, this is going to be a very unusual season, Michael, isn't it? I mean, we've got the first month of it, we're not even allowed in the stadium, and then we've got restricted openings after October the first. Millwall, you can't the first Millwall home game that anyone's going to be able to get into if you're part of the sainted 5,990 is is in uh, late October at home to Luton on a Tuesday night. It's going to be a very odd season in that way. And it, I just think this this is going to be, um, this season will unfold and, it, and each part of it as it comes along will be a little bit of, a, you know, testing the water, dipping your toe in the in, in, in the hot water to see how, how, you know, how it works and how things check out because... I can't see away travel being um, a thing, certainly for the, the first part of the season. I might be wrong. I could be, you know, mm-hmm. way, way off, 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 off being here. But I, I can't see how you can have mass numbers of people travelling around the country too quickly. This, maybe this side of Christmas, maybe, but I, I kind of doubt it somehow. I don't know what, what you think, but mm-hmm. I, I can't see it being very quick before we get back to normality. In inverted You're listening to Actual Normal. We'll see. I mean, we, we await the news of the new season in a sense from the club, don't we? We don't know how the. Yeah. But also, as well, I think, I think you're being a bit unfair, Nick, if I'm true, when you say about how the fixtures are released, because we, we, we all know that it is that automated random fixture generator that just coincidentally managed to put Leeds and Liverpool as the first game of the Premier League season. 
Yeah, there's, 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 that's that. What, what, what are the chances of that coming? Yeah, up? I'll sit here with twirling my moustache. Uh, um, we, we live in the real world. You're, you're right. Um, the team are up in, is it Edinburgh? They're up in Scotland on their pre-season team building day a week. Um, some really nice looking shots of Troy Parrott banging the goals in. Uh, he does look the part, doesn't he? The boy, in those videos. He does look. He does look. He's got the X factor. Oh no, he, he he looks fantastic. The way he's turning and he's hitting. If you, if you look as well, he, he hits the ball so cleanly with both feet, which is good to see. But um, the, the pessimist in me is worried that the keepers aren't going for him, and one of them's got <laughs> lo- and one of them's got lobbed from ten yards. Um, but no, he, 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 in all seriousness, he, he does he does look very good. I know, I know obviously he's uh, he's up against a metal. Um, fake footballer who's just sort of stood there but no he, he does look good he, he he looks very impressive and for, for a boy's age to be able to sort of turn that well and hit that cleanly either first time or on the half volley yeah it's exciting times it's exciting times absolutely apparent, certainly. And, and 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 i don't know about you i'm not sure if this is just a credit to billy taylor and the media team but there, there does seem to be a real togetherness don't they they're all smiling they're laughing they're joking it seems like they're they're happy to be back together and playing football again, which is good. You really get that impression. I mean, obviously, it's, it's I, I call it a team building uh, exercise. It, it's pre-season training. They're, they're working hard up. There's a lot of shots in the gymnasium. Um, I don't know what the facility is they're staying at. It looks pretty pretty good. It's it looks like uh, you know the kind of place that um, we've have done well to find because obviously foreign travel and normal excursion to Portugal is not not an option this season. So they've done well to find something that will get the boys in shape, you know, and, and put it together fast. And so well done the club for finding that. But they do seem to be enjoying themselves, which is, you can't really fake that, can you? You can tell when it's being put on for the cameras. They do seem to be a bunch of blokes that enjoy each other's company. That's, that's great to see, you know. Um, they've not long stopped, of course. I mean, maybe that's adding to the whole weirdness of the current situation, Michael. We've not long stopped the last season. We're going to be starting a new one within, within a very short order. Maybe that's... Um, you know, I was watching a thing with Jake Cooper saying how um, he's had about three weeks off, I think. He must have been away with his, on, on holidays with his family. And then he's kind of back at work again very quickly. It's almost like um, a bit like lead, leading a normal life for a footballer, isn't it, in a way, you know? You have a fortnight mm. off and you're back at work again, you know? Like, like no, that exactly. working experience that we all have. Yeah, um, no, no, indeed. <laughs> but um, is, isn't it true, like, with this is, I mean, if I, if, again, if I'm wrong, I apologise, but haven't we still not decided the Scottish Cup from last season and the Scottish season's already started again? Lost track of it, mate. Honestly, I mean, it's 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 very weird. There's been the, the European tournament going on all week, isn't there? The, the Champions League and Europa. Apparently, it's the Euro- Europa Cup final tonight, but I, you lose track of what you're watching, why you're watching it. The, you know, the whole thing seems to be a very empty, artificial shell of a, of, of a thing. Now, I know there's been some great football played. Bayern beat... Um, who was it? They beat eight two Barcelona, wasn't it? The other night eight two, and that's 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 wonderful. But it's it's just a, a very very strange. Um, I don't know if it's meaningless at the moment, but it's, it just feels a bit empty. I, how, how are you finding the football at the moment? I, it's hard for it to matter to me. I, mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know why. I can't quite put my finger on what's going on. No, I know you're right, and and again, this this uh, it, it makes you think, and and I'm not being cynical or pessimistic, but. It's it's good to see these these sides in. We'll use the example of the Champions League you just used there. So who who made the semi-finals? It was Leon, Leipzig, uh, PSG, PSG, and Bayern Munich, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Now, yeah. at the start of the season, which was before COVID, 
before you you would have you would have um you would have probably got sort of like prices that would equate to your mortgage back if you would have said those lot would be your last four in the Champions League. So has has COVID had that much of an effect on the players that they they just don't don't really fancy anymore. Now I know that's a bit that's a bit of a harsh comment on the likes of Barcelona and yes they have been playing poor but they ju- it just seems to be especially abroad it just seems to be going through the motions doesn't it to, to sort of just get the season done for some I mean clearly Bayern Munich weren't going through the motions they've, they've put eight goals past a Barcelona team if, even if they're not playing at um, their engine's not running at full full capacity it's still a feat um, that's well worth um, acknowledgement you know so they've certainly turned up for that I, I I do think that um, as much as as much as there's a, might be a desire among some people at the in the upper um, echelons of the football for it to be a more televisual experience, you really cannot beat the 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 the, the theatre that having a crowd, proper crowd, in a big game and what that creates. You know, the semi-finals of a European Cup are big events, and they're going to be played out. At the moment, in front of um, you know the tarpaulins and the and and the, and the crowdies cut cutouts and with fake crowd noise and it it's it's okay but it's not the real thing and I think football's at a bit of a a very funny point in that way because I think that there's a, as, as much as the game is becoming ever more driven by big money and and big broadcast and you know major players at the top you still can't be. The fact that unless you have a crowd to watch it, it, it slightly loses momentum and meaning. And I think that's where we're seeing that a lot of these European games at the moment, very hard for them to feel like they matter to you. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. And 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 you, like you were saying with the couple cutouts, we it's been well known that Millwall were one of the sides who suffered most from not having fans in attendance. Um, absolutely, absolutely. So. Yeah. So, so again, would would we have pushed towards that top six if we would have been able to have any amount of numbers? Possibly. Same as Bournemouth. I remember, uh, I remember, a lot of people wrote them off, and then they they banged. Was it four one or they beat someone four one four nil? And you think if you'd have had a, a stadium like Dean Court, yes, it's not the sort of biggest of stadiums, but it's a very compact stadium close to the pitch. If you've got the momentum of a four one win and eleven thousand fans behind you, could Bournemouth have stayed up? Yeah, I mean these these are the great unknowns, you know. Um, certainly at the moment, I'm 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 hopeful for the season. I don't want to sound too downbeat, listeners. I'm aware that you know, just because it's it's hard to get your your, your excitement levels up on on fixture um, announcement day. I mean we're we're not 12 years old anymore, Michael. So you know we we knew this was coming. It's not like when you you spend all summertime looking forward to this moment. Um, and it's not long since the last season finished. So perhaps that's just, at the moment, it's still feeling a little bit, um, it just has a slight bland, beige sense at the moment. But once we get into it, I'm sure, you know, things will change. Certainly the um, the reports coming out of the training camp all look good. I've been watching some of the videos. There was an interview with Jake Cooper, as I've said. Um, some great uh, photos. There was a, um, Sean Hutchinson doing a one-arm press-up, I thought. And I, 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 I toyed with the idea of trying one, and I thought, Nah, probably best off I don't try that one arm press up as Hutchinson style. Yeah, well, well, he's obviously been um, looking on my Instagram and Twitter. Are you doing that? Um, are you <laughs> the one arm press ups? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been failing miserably at that kind of thing. But no, no, no it, it, it like we looks good, and we, as you say, we won't be a, uh, we won't be sort of sort of downbeat, and let's let's just be positive for the season. It's in in a strange way sort of use this fixture list and to our advantage. I mean, one of the positives we can also take from this is normally the little cards that you get printed by the club 
that end up being wrong after about four or five weeks might actually be right now. <laughs> they might stick to it, mightn't they? Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. absolutely. Because I don't see a big star fixture subject to change anywhere, do you? So. <laughs> No, no. Well, I mean, you know, I can't see any any fixtures where you need to stop off at the service area on the M1 or anything of that kind to pick up your tickets. So um, when or if away travel returns, then it looks like, um, you know, the season should run to run to plan, really. Um, pre-season friend has been lined up, Michael, uh, against Crystal Palace, although as some wag posted, it could if you're not allowed into the ground, it could be against anyone you like, really, from Barcelona to um, Welling United. But we've got a pre-season game against... Crystal Palace. That's that's not bad. I mean, that's that's Premier League opposition. That that should sharpen up the side, ready for the start of the campaign. I do get a sense that Gary Rower is wanting to aim high. In fact, there's a story that says so on on news at Den. He's aiming high this season. He wants a quick start, and he wants us to get points under the belt. He doesn't want this traditional Millwall, you know, take take ten games to get going kind of thing. He wants to be up and at it fast from the off. No, agreed, and. And again, you you saying about Crystal Palace, this is the first time I can think of sort of in recent memory we've had a, a Premier League team. Normally we have a few conferences, a few lower leagues and, and uh, the local European team who's... who's There's always a game at Dartford. There's always a match at Dartford, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So it, I, I think it shows ambition because it, it's one of those games, Nick, where even though it's a pre-season friendly, you're, you're rubbing shoulders with, um, as much as we say, I hate to say it about Palace, but you're rubbing shoulders with the elite. Absolutely. And, and depending on how the result goes, that's the level you want to be at. So it's it's, it's a good fixture, from my opinion, to have, even as a pre-season friendly. So, and, and as you say, Kenny Jackett, he was always a slow starter. I remember with Kenny Jackett, my, my favourite Millwall manager there's been, but he, was always, he always took about 10, 11 games, as you say, just to hit mid-table. Um, and Neil Harris was slightly similar, as, as we've said in previous shows, about that first season he had at Millwall, full season. Uh, a lot of people were calling for his head after eight, nine games. So if we can get a manager who who sets his sights high and to say, well, we're in the opening 15 games, if we get at least 10 or 11, that should be OK. That's, that's fantastic, in my opinion, because that puts you in touching distance right from the off. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about this because you're right, both Kenny and, and Neil Harris... I think historically, if, if, I mean, it doesn't come back to those two managers. I mean, just historically, we've always been a club that just has to get, you know, it, it, we need the adrenaline rush to kind of start at some point. And in the cold, early, early games, cold in the sense of no, you know, uh, the, the, the league tables aren't, aren't um, you know, aren't solid yet. I just think it takes us a while to get really going. And clearly Gary Rao is, is talking about changing the style of play as well as a story. I don't know if you saw this on, News at Den, but we're working on a more controlled style of play in pre-season. This is Jed Wallace has said this to News at Den, um, based around the styles we've seen from Fulham and Brentford, two possession-focused sides that contested the playoffs. Um, I, I, I think that's got to be the way forward because that's that's the way the modern game is played now. And as much as I love the old wingers and get the ball into Morrison and there's Lee Gregory to get onto the rebound, it's it's too easily worked out by modern sides, isn't it? We need a bit more. And I think we are adding to the uh, the nuance and subtlety of the team. I, I'm, I'm quite hopeful we're going to see a very different style this season. No, and and you you've said it in previous shows, uh, talking to other guests, that Millwall. Always, especially under Neil Harris, and again, I'm not, I'm not knocking Neil Harris whatsoever. He's a great man, but it was always that sort of cup final type football. Yeah, 
Um, Back so, to the underdog mentality. So, yeah, exactly. And and there was a lot of times where where you, as a fan, even though we don't have the expertise and the sort of coaching badges or the knowledge that Neil Harris has, you were sitting there sometimes. A game that springs to mind was the first game of the season against Middlesbrough a couple of years ago when we was 2-0 up and we ended up losing... Oh, sorry, two two each, shouldn't it? Finished two each, yeah. You know, yeah. two all. And it was one of those where if you would have kept the ball, Neil, rather than keep hoofing it up, we would have done it. So um, I, I think you're right. The possession-based game does seem to work. Again, another game that comes to mind was last season was the Fulham game where I think it was like statistically they had something like a million touches and that was the most... Ever, eighty-five percent possession, and I think we. I know, we, and we and we got absolutely routed. So, so yeah, it, it would be interesting. But but one thing that I think Gary Rowett is quite lucky is that Mill's always been a notorious four-four-two team. Uh, the last manager I can remember who tried to change it from four-four-two was was unfortunately Ian Holloway. Um, he was always very vocal about not liking four-four-two, and he got ruined for it. I think Rowett's already done. After work already because he's implemented a five-two, uh, a five-two yeah. three. And we've seen some success three. from it as well. Which... And it's exactly, and it seems to be working. Um, so I think that he'll get some time to try that formation out. And uh, I, for one, will be happy to see a Millwall team who can keep their identity in the way they, you know, they put in these hard tackles and chase everything down, but also adapt to, to the modern game. You you can't you can't stay behind forever. You stick if you stick to your principles and you're winning every week, that's fine. But if you stick to your principles and you're near the bottom of the table, as we have been pre it, you, you need to change something. So well, absolutely. For, I mean, Neil Harris, 4-4-2, much as it, it, it hurts to say, it was taking us down to the uh, bottom end of the table and we'd be finishing up playing Charlton in League One, will not we? If, you know, we, we have to adapt and we have to, have to change. Gary Rowett's ambitions are high. Listen, there's a story on, on the news at Den. Mill manager sets the bar high. Uh, the notoriously slow-starting... Lions aim to buck the trend and Gary wrote saying here he wants us to be amongst the top teams from the start of the championship campaign so um, he wants to hit the ground running Michael um, you know expect expect us to take the ball forwards and um, deploy the parrot up front you know he's been brought in to score goals we've got to give him the chances to get those goals and, and get those early wins and that will set us in in good stead if we can do that certainly got the players um, who had the ability to do that? Jake Jake Cooper showed last last season how how well he could actually get bring the ball out when he when he's given the opportunity to. Uh, Sean Hutchinson again at times looked to be playing for passes, even though there was those ridiculous tweets recently when he was linked to Norwich and everyone saying he's a long ball merchant. Well, I don't think he's a bad long ball merchant personally, and I, I, he's not the type of player I'd describe as that. And with Romeo and all these type of players like Shane Ferguson, it would be good to see them really express themselves. So, yeah, it's only going the right way. Um, as you say, with, with Parrot, I think if you've made a signing like that, then you probably do need to change your structure because one thing that I felt let Rowett down slightly last season was perhaps the service to the strikers, especially towards the end of the Absolutely. season. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, I mean, if he changes the service and Parrot gets us 25 goals, then he's, he's done very well, hasn't he? Well, if we can get, you know, if, if Parrot can play to the potential, I know we're heaping pressure on the kids' shoulders and that's that's a little bit unfair, but he's been brought in with high expectations. But if he can get the kinds of goal tallies that top strikers get, then we're in with a chance. I mean, the, the, you know, a good goal scorer equals um, a successful team to whatever level you can finally finish at. But, you you, you know, a good goal scorer in general in the championship um, equals, um, you know, a high performing side. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to Achtung Noel. Still no change on the Mason Bennett. I'm just thinking of the service. You're, you just made a good point there, Michael, about giving your strikers the service. And Mason Bennett, I thought, had the potential. I know he's a fragile um, you know, reminds me of Paris Cowan Hall, who looked quite good in the, the lower level, but he was also made from Papier Mache. And, and I just get a sense that Mason Bennett injures very easily and, you know, a fragile um, player injury wise, but with a lot of potential, a lot more potential than Paris Cowan Hall ever had. Um, but he's back with Derby. Um, I can't see him staying with Derby. I was looking at some of the comments from some of the Derby fans when he was announced in one of their friendly 11s quite scathing. I mean, the, the, the bridges have been burned up there. Um, do you think Rowett is waiting for the right deal to be available for Mason Bennett? It might be quite close to the start of the season before we see any action on that. Um, I think it could. I think you're, you're probably right there. With with Bennett, obviously he had his problems off the field um, a few months back and uh, certain Instagram videos weren't the best of ideas, was no, it? No, wayward, wayward choices in, in the cold and, light of day, yeah. No, indeed. And and you could see as well that whenever Millwall played well, um, I mean, I, I always, as silly as it sounds, I, I know that some players feel that, you know, they, they should go on social media, sit on their sofa and they oh, we won today, or, oh, we've done well today, or well done, lads. But every time Millwall did anything social media-wise or we played well or anything, Mason Bennett, you know, he changed his picture to in-plan for Millwall. It was all very much like together, like we're on yeah, the way up. Yeah, we, we, yeah. we, 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 yeah. He obviously felt part of the group and that's great to see for a loan signing. And it, it goes back as well with still how, you know, he didn't get much game time, if any. I, th- I, th- I think Mason Bennett, and, and I, this is why I've never really made it in management of any kind, listeners. Oh, there's the ice cream, man. Yeah. <laughs> Cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think, I mean, one of the reasons I think I've, why I've never made it far in management is because a football manager's role is is is, is a twofold one. On the, on the one hand, you want a relationship with your players. And I think Gary Rowett almost has a, um, I don't know if it's a father figure kind of role with Mason Bennett. He seems to be, he seems to take a, the, the boy under his wing almost, you know. 
but equally you've got to balance that desire to um you know to to, to put your arm around the shoulders of, a, of the boy and, and and make him fulfill his potential uh, but equally you've got to want that with the best possible deal you can get and i think at the moment the way that the the thing is i think gary Rout would like mason bennett i think most mill fans would like mason bennett but that's got to be at the right price and you know wages and 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 um, we probably won't want to pay much, if any, money for Mason Bennett. We're probably not going to want to give him the kinds of wages that maybe he's become accustomed to at, yeah. at Derby. So you've got this kind of strange um, balancing act of the business and the and the personal in them. It's, it's, it must be a very odd equation to to to, to try and tie up as a, as a manager of any kind, but especially football management. No, of course, and with and with Derby, this this makes it a trick one. It's only just occurred to me, really. Um, they're obviously in a little bit of trouble financially. They they could get a, a fine um, after allegedly was it breaking FFP or or some rules? They, they've sailed stadium. close to the wind, I think. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and so financially they're not in the best position. So if you have got a young young talent like uh, Mason Bennett, yes, he's he's susceptible to injury, and yes, he he could be a bit of a rotten egg if he has the wrong guidance. Whereas yeah. this will sound, I think Gary Rout would be the right one. Yeah. But they'll they'll want to take as much money as they can, especially if they get hit with a whopping fine for their for the, any breaches that they've done. Um, and and in this COVID world as well, you, if you've got any sort of I think I think the word is like you know obviously commodities or or assets, you, you're not and there's any chance of getting any money for them, you're not gonna you're not going to be very willing at the negotiation table to take a few zeros off, are you? No. I can't remember if it was Harry or if it was Ryan or was it yourself? I can't remember who said it now, but um, talk about Mason Bennett. Someone said if you get 20 starts out of Mason Bennett and maybe, you know, uh, X number of um, bench um, coming into the game and the deal is right, the price is right for that amount of contribution to Mill Football Club, and you've probably got a very good deal, actually. It was an interesting way to look at it, and I hadn't considered it from that perspective, because you think in terms of all your players having to be 46-game you know, stalwarts like Jake Cooper. But if you are at the right price, this is a crucial thing for me, if you're getting the right deal and you're bringing a talent that can only contribute maybe half the, the games, but you're getting the, you know, goals and situations created as a consequence is there's possibly a good deal for him as part of a squad where other players can take that role if, if he's not available. So who knows? I, we have no news. So this is all pure and utter speculation, listeners. With nothing, yeah, I, I do, we have no insight into this, Michael, yeah. either, do we? we, we, we are not I, do, I, do, I do agree with that sentiment, but also the other side of the seesaw, if you will, and devil's advocate, would you only want 20 games and a few bit parts for, from a 24-year-old? Yeah, depends on his medical condition, doesn't it? Um, mm. He seems fragile, but I think also he's been through he's been through a period in his life at Derby where he's clearly not had the best advice. Um, he's he's, he's made him not happy. No, and he's he's, he's 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 you know he's, he's only 20 something. Few of us are fully formed, mature individuals at that age. He's got to start getting mature quite quickly. I think that's that's the other the other thing to say. But he's made some errors. He's made some mistakes. And maybe being at Millwall with the likes of Rowett, who clearly he respects, might be the answer for him. You might get a full forty games out of him if he's if he's happy. Um, we, we'll see. We'll see. But no news at the moment. The other story that caught my eye was Jason Malumbi, who's kind of <laughs> taken to the press, taken to the press to say, "You either play me to Graham Potter at Brighton." 
or I want to go on loan. And Millwall's a great place where I've just been on loan. <laughs> the boy is bold. I've got to say that I, I, I do admire this kind of um, forthright attitude as to go out and say what you want because no one's going to give it to you, Jason, are they? So you've got to go and get it yourself. It's going to be an interesting um, story to see how that turns out. I mean, again, no news at the moment, but it'd be wonderful wonderful if you could come back would you take him back i know it's been a bit of hoo-ha online about whether he should come back or not would you take him back um personally i would i, I, I thought he was a great player i voted for him for player of the season i thought he was yeah incredible. that's right you did yeah you said yeah. um i thought he was a very very good player um i know there's some people not of this parish um who uh <laughs> about whether, about whether he should come back or not but i think Again, being being the neutral I am, as you know, Nick, I try and be as neutral as possible. You do, you do, um, you do. yeah. If 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 anyone watches the extended cut of that video, um, there, there's a there's a slight agreement in the not from me, but I can see if there would be agreement in the sentiment that why would you take a player on loan, make him even better, and then he's not yours, and then you have to give him back, which has always been the thing with loan deals in general, not specifically Jason Malumbi, uh, but Personal opinion, I've, he, he obviously again cares about Millwall. He's the, that is the biggest wink, wink, nudge, nudge you've ever seen. That if he does, yeah, go it's a come and get me, isn't it? It's a come yeah. and get me. Or at least come and loan me anyway. That's that's uh, yeah, exactly. A better way to put it. Yeah, so that that's the that's the clearest indication of if I do go and loan, I wouldn't mind going down Zampa Road again with my mate Troy. Um, <laughs> but I, I I personally would have him back. Yes, um, I, I think he done a good enough job. And he was one of these loan players who, even though one, he was young, he didn't look out of his depth. Uh, two, he didn't seem like he was plugging any gaps. A lot of the time with loan players, you, you bring them in on short terms because you're missing a certain player in that position. I don't think he seemed like that at all. I think he made that centre midfield position really his own. He's a um, quality player. I mean, it's a bit like a bit like Troy Parrott. I mean, I, I, I take the I, I take the argument, and I, I haven't watched the full video that um, was on on uh, Dan TV Lions TV's channel, so I I only picked up the reaction to it. So that may be unfair of me, but um, I get the argument that you don't want to be polishing up somebody else's diamond to give it back to them at the end of the season. I, I get that argument, and there's there's there's, there's something to that. But equally, for the next season, which could be a crucial season, you know, we, we've already mentioned the, the wishy-washy nature of the, of the division. You know, in, in Troy Parrott and possibly, if, if it all came to pass, Jason Malumbi, you've got two Premier League-level talents, um, both capable of playing at an international level, in my opinion, even at this young age. And you've got the, the use of their services for a, a season that could benefit Millwall Football Club and propel it to the top level. So... There's, I get the argument that you don't want to be, you know, um, doing up somebody's house to somebody else's house for them to go and live in next year. But equally, it's you got to look at what's in it for you and for our club. And I think both would bring so much to us. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it was a very bold move by Jason. Um, gone to the was it the Daily Mirror or the, or the Sun? I can't remember which one it was, but he certainly um, got out on a limb. Um, he says, spending the season at a club like Mill built me up, both as a footballer and character. My aim was to play 25 games. and I got 40 in the end. Um, I'm sure Mill would be, would be an option, he says. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure a certain mister whose name rhymes with Gary Wowett would be a great manager for me. Um, <laughs> I admire that. I admire that. <laughs> but, but, but one thing I will say, though, that doesn't, doesn't help his calls really to a point because I, I know what he says about the under 23 level or the or what was the reserve team back in our day Nick mm. I say our day you know? going back to the midweek um, league thing yeah. but 
I've read somewhere that a lot of Premier League teams where they used to like loaning players out, obviously Chelsea were notorious for it. I remember one season they had like 24 players out on loan. They effectively oh, yeah. had a squad yeah. out on loan. Um, again, unless things have changed in the last few months, I remember reading somewhere that this, this sort of Premier League under 23 competition is something that gets taken very seriously because where it's a sponsored competition, even if it's not televised, um, you get sort of quite good money for it. So... You know, whereas before, if you won a reserve league, you'd get your little trophy and it'd give people game experience. Now there's actual financial implications. And because it is a reserve league um, in all but name, there's the sort of gentleman's agreement. You won't sort of tackle each other too hard. Whereas if you was to loan a player to, to Millwall or, or lower down the leagues, there's there's that chance they're obviously not under your control. Very true. We shall see. We shall see um, a story that will be unfolding over the next couple of weeks or so, certainly the new season is, is what is it, three weeks away? Not even that, two weeks away. Uh, it's not far off now. So um, these things... Well, well, but welcome back, Jason Malumbi. Let's be optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, last few notes on my, my thing. We haven't got an awful lot of news other than this, this, this the kind of endless speculation that you get online. And um, I don't really like to present this show as any kind of speculative or in-the-know type of show. We just go by what we see online, same as you do. Dear listener, but one thing that has struck me this week, Michael, is the very impressive training kit that we're wearing up in in um, in Edinburgh. I'm, I'm actually tempted to get myself one of their t-shirts. I think they look really, really um, cool training t-shirts. I don't know if you had any thoughts on the on the training wear this season. They look very breathable, don't they? Breathable. I might even try one arm press up in it. <laughs> there you go, and then have a nice husky chocolate. I'll, I'll nice pull back. <laughs> Yeah. Some listeners afterwards. <laughs> you, should, you should do a live video and then put it on a, <laughs> about a video. Board. That might not be so good. <laughs> but no, just, well done. Just well done do, the just do, yeah, just do one and loop it for uh, <laughs> impress ups. I mean, I mean, you know, the the the, the, um, the first team kit this season, I think, looked pretty good as well. That that's kind of very uh, traditional looking dark blue V neck uh, short sleeve shirt was looks good. The training kit looks good. Um, so well done to to Macron. I don't I don't get overexcited over football kits but I must admit think to myself oh, why am I on those t-shirts I might get myself one when the, uh, the club shop online operation is in full full swing there was there was a, there was a tweet I don't know if you saw it um, the the club shop announced all of, the, all of its orders have been sent out <laughs> only at the middle club shop can that, that kind of expectation of normality be a cause for celebration yeah, <laughs> orders yeah. have been placed and we've sent them out oh you you, you just know the, the poor girl in the club shop who runs it now is like Shall I click tweet? No, don't do it yet. Don't do it. Shall I do it? Shall I do poor it? thing. Okay. Poor, poor thing, honestly. Um, <clears throat> you know, any any normal shop, you think, well, that kind of comes with a turf. You've paid your money for your T-shirt. You expect to get it in the post, but only at the den is that um, tweetable. So, well done, the club shop, for sending out the orders that people have made to you. <laughs> keep, and, and, keep it and, up. You know that, and you know that Steve Kavanagh is going to put a star next to that for the next <laughs> Zoom fans forum that we have. When we sent it out and all that. Oh, you shouldn't laugh. Um, just to close us out, um, well done to the under eighteen and the under twenty three teams, both crowned respective champions of their professional development leagues. I think that was on a points per game basis in the end, but still, it's it's silverware for the under eighteens and the under twenty three. So that's always good news to see youngsters developing and and winning their their leagues, Michael. So well done to both. Yeah, here, here. Well done. No, it's um uh, with, with a team like Millwall, the the youth systems are so important, aren't they? Um, yeah, and, and we are about development, aren't we? That that should be what our our, our driving um, you know, 
mission statement should be, so to speak. So it's good to see both of those two um, new sides. I just want to close um, by repeating my praise for the the Lionesses show that you and uh, Ryan have been putting out. I think it's, well, we're getting some decent numbers on it, Michael, aren't we? We're getting some decent listeners. I think we get a lot of people giving it um, a, a listen on curiosity, if, if we're going to be honest, and fair play to, to those that do that. But um, I think it's a great platform and a great advert for a, a, a you know a, a part of the club that's um, that's really in need of support and I think it's wonderful to to see the numbers that we're getting listening to the show but also the quality of the production that yourself and Ryan put together no no thank you and, and again um, as I said last week thank you to, to all those who've been listening we had the uh, Billericay game um, it's a difficult unfor- game I believe yeah yes yeah, scoreline wise I mean we we um, behind the scenes, we was we was under no illusion that these games would be tough, and we we've, we've tried to project that as the image that you know these are real. Um, I'm, I'm obviously sort of speaking for the management um, yeah, yeah. to a degree, um, but the, these were very much like learning curves, trying new players, trying new tactics. So when we played Billericay, you, you know, we we was quite we was quite heavily down score wise in the first half. Um, yeah, yeah. We was playing a four three three. Um, half time, we changed the structure slightly, changed a few personnel, and it seems to slot a lot better. But if you're not if you're not going to try these things in pre season, you're not going to know. Um, and as we said as well at the time of choosing the fixtures, we've we've purposely aimed similar to a degree with Millwall with Crystal Palace. Um, so we're, we're 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 looking up, we're looking higher. You're, you don't improve not, otherwise, do you? you? Don't improve. Yeah, you, you're not you're not going to win anything. You know, you're not going to develop if you're beating. Um, teams 12, 13, 14, 15 nils every week and that, that's not that's not talking about the league that's just any football anywhere Sunday Park football five aside you're not you're not going to learn anything but um, we had Sean on uh, this week's show um, if you're hearing this first it's, it's obviously coming out and she she talks about she talks about it and it's a really interesting listen to someone who's one of the more senior members of the team yeah. but she speaks so openly and honestly honestly about about that scoreline what it felt like playing in it what emotions were like playing in it how they're going to bounce back from it so I, again I'd, I'd let if if you're one of the people who've had a listen and have been enjoying it thank you and I, I implore that you listen again um, but it was a tough game we've got another tough one uh, this weekend we've got London B's 11 but also this is uh, this is where the Lionesses are are unfortunately got that big target on the back with the name. We've got uh, the opening game of the season, Stevenage away um, on the 13th of September. And Stevenage last season were one of the teams who, who drew with Millwall at home. When, when we were beating teams uh, pretty much every week, they were one of the t- tougher opposition. So we've got a very, very tough pre-season for a new manager who's, who's done very, very well. But then the opening game of the season is a very, very tough away day. So... Yeah, keep, keep keep listening, keep rise peeled, and hopefully, you know, by by the end of this season, we'll we'll, we'll be looking up and maybe onwards. Absolutely, as as I said in the previous show, I, I've enjoyed listening to the podcast. They give a <clears throat> um, an insight into the the players, the management, and you can hear how much they care about the uh, the team and what they're engaged in. And I, I find that um, I find that absorbing. So. Um, mm. Uh, I recommend anyone to ever ever listen to it. It's well worth it. No, indeed. And and one thing we try and do as well, so that one of the ideas with with the podcast wasn't just to have players on to keep being interviewed, um, which is great for the players. Don't get me wrong. It's excellent. And they they got their platform. But it was also to give listeners of of Acton, Lionesses, Acton Millwall, whoever whoever subscribes, whoever whoever, um, downloads, 
um, the chance to actually see some behind the scenes stuff as well. So we won't always have like a player on. So yeah. one week we may have the chairman on so he can talk about how he's uh, how he's getting the, the players through the system, what it's like to be in women's football compared to men's football. Um, some some people from like the media team or or the commercial team, that kind of thing. So it's not just um, a project where we get players on, tell them what to say, which we don't in in brackets. They they say their own thing, and we we very much promote that. But we're trying to highlight everything that happens at that club and and why it's so different, why it's such a good uh, good little community project to be involved in and to follow. Great stuff. Well, I think that's the Mill News this week, Michael. So. Thank you for uh, sharing your day, your lunchtime, once again. Um, I'll go back to my cheese sandwich now. Go back to your cheese sandwich and get some pickle on it. And thank you for listening, dear listeners. We'll be back next week with um, another Achtung Weekly. I've been doing some little historical bits. I'll carry on doing that next week. And then the week after that, it's back to the realities of the Football League season, the Caribou Cup action. We'll be back with our Real Millfield fan show in a couple of weeks. So until then... Michael Avery. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Aston Newell. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. However, it's Aston Newell. Till next time. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.